You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please, if you're clapping, do it for Jesus and do it very well. All right. Wh- wh- which one is my seat? The middle one. Okay. Um, again, I want to welcome everyone to church. Please, you may be seated. Uh, so, it's unplugged and we're going to have some discussions. But well, I think I'm already dominating the discussion. <laughs> I just wanted to say one or two things before, uh, because I know we're going to discuss and question and answer and all that and I hope you guys have had a great time this month with the relationship series right how was that was great (laughs) all right um, permit me to do something I want two bold people who can tell me the most important thing you learn through the series maybe a guy and a lady if you're bold enough, I'll give you a microphone. Please just come here right now. Yeah. Just one thing, one very critical truth or something that you learn through the series. Quickly, quickly. I'm waiting. Because we said it was fantabulous. My guy, are you coming or going? <laughs> okay, you, you know... There are some privileges of pastors. And that's when people don't respond, we can pick. Okay, please come. Just tell us your name and, yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Chinedu Wanko. And one thing I learned, this was during the evening exchange service, that is kindness, generosity, and stewardship in love. I wanted to say it again. You were rushing. (laughs) Take your time. So I said the one thing that I held on to throughout the um, series is that there's kindness, generosity, and stewardship in love. There's kindness, Kindness, generosity, generosity, and stewardship. And stewardship in love. Yes. You know know the one that amazed me the most out of the three things that you said is the stewardship part. Because I think most people are not aware that there's stewardship in love. Yeah. But we know about kindness. We know about generosity. Uh, that love is giving and that if, if you love, you will give, mm-hmm. all right? We know about being kind to people, civility and all that, and that's part of our love DNA. Yeah. But what about stewardship? Can you say something to that briefly, quickly? Um, so one thing that we highlighted during that um, exchange service was that stewardship is knowing that you like someone because, but you love them despite. So you're willing to work and understand the perspectives of everyone around you and love unconditionally and working for the things that you believe are worth love. So work for the patience, work for the kindness. It's, it's diligence in the entire aspect of love. You are still waiting. <laughs> Come on, do it now. Thank you. You know, you. when you're a teacher, I, I mean, I teach the word of God, but I also train and all that. When you see students that, permit me to say it like this, that sabi, <laughs> you tend to want to appreciate them. Am, am I saying the truth? Yeah. Okay, so one more time, can you hear me appreciate Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Okay. 
Praise the Lord Church. Um, I'm Stephen by name from Alhambra State. Um, I just want to say something about this love. I learned something today and uh, it's about love. It's a four-letter word, yes, but <laughs> you see it's very, very difficult and hard to love someone just like that. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. But if you find yourself on that situation, you have to calm yourself down. Yeah. So one more thing, after you calm yourself down, after you, calm yourself you down. make up your mind that you're going to love anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Let, let's appreciate it. You know, you know, there's some things you know, you may not be able to articulate them in words. But you just know them from within because what this guy is saying is that look I've learned something about love it's, it's not easy you have to calm down <laughs> because some of us rush into love and then we get burnt and then we wake up like the prodigal son in Luke 15 and verse 17 the Bible says in NIV he came to his senses yeah <laughs> And I'm not making that up. Check it. Look, 15 and verse 17 in the NIV. The Bible actually said it came to his senses. Yeah. When you make some decisions and then you get burnt and then you, you have to come to your senses. Yeah. Uh, the guy rushed into inheritance. Just as some people rush into love. Tell your neighbor, calm down. If I say it better, I say be calming down. I feel triggered. <laughs> thank you so much, PG, for that introduction. We're already exciting, and thank you for that preview into how exciting clearly today's service is going. To be. Okay, I'm going to jump right in, um, and I'll start with the first question we have. So I'll read it out. It says, "I'm in my 30s, and recently, I suffered a truly horrible heartbreak. I didn't date much in my 20s." So this was the most destabilizing thing I have ever had to go through. I've taken a little time to reset and recharge, to deal with some of the feedback I got from my past relationships, and to try to heal from the wounds, even though I still carry the scars. How long should I wait before I start dating again? And how do I reposture myself for a relationship? You know, one of the things that all of us need to be careful about, especially for people looking into dating and getting into marriage, is that when those relationships suffer you know, shipwreck of any sort, please be calming down. <laughs> Don't do love on rebound, that's what I mean, yeah. Don't love on rebound. Um, a lot of the time we want to prove a point 
Because when relationships fail, we feel rejected, we feel like we're losing our sense of value, our personal sense of value for a person. I, I, I mean, the last time I was here, I think I hinted, or maybe two, the other time, I don't, something about, you know, the lady I was dating, my final year in university and all that, mm-hmm. and then during service year, she just came to me one day and said she wasn't doing it again. Mm. And um, I thought, I thought I could handle it, because I was already a pastor, I passed all the university and I knew the word of God, so I confessed the word of God, prayed, and then I went to beg her that she should please not leave me. <laughs> and now, let, let me say this, and this will interest you, because I love to teach from experience and from the word, both will work, especially if you're, I mean, we say experience is the best teacher, but it, that's if it's not your own. <laughs> yes. It's better to learn from other people's experience. You can't be learning from experience or your own experience all the time. It may short circuit your destiny. Yeah, because you know a journey of 40 days may last 40 years if you have to learn everything by experience. So this was what happened there. Uh, I went and begged, you know, and it looked like, I mean, the things she told me, she actually told me, because I had to ask why. And she said, you know what? Um, I found somebody, the person swept me off my feet. In fact, we had a fling, you know, and all kinds of things. That should have been enough for me to know that there's no road here. But I was emotionally weak and also a bit of pride and ego. My ego was also stemmed from the fact that while I was in the university, I preached before that if you, if you are hearing from God, you should not be jumping from one relationship to the other. If you're truly hearing from God, God is speaking to you. If you're, if you're growing as a Christian, you know, all this one, you move from here to there, from Ruth to Naomi to, you know, this, you're not, you're not hearing from God, you know, and all that. So, and all my friends that I preached to in university, they're still my friend. So I didn't know how to even tell them that the guy who was teaching you to hear from God and all that, somebody just walked out of his life. That was why I was begging her <laughs> to save face for myself. That, you know, sometimes that is... Uh, uh, um, trying to prove a point. You may prove a point to your parents, proving a point to your friends, yeah. proving a point to yourself that nobody can work out on me. You know, I'm the best in after sliced bread, you know, and all that. All those things make us to want to compromise our stance even when we see red flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I went back to this young lady and I said, don't worry, I've forgiven you, let's continue and all that. Mm-hmm. And she was still the one that told me three weeks later that we're still not doing. This thing will still not continue. You know, and after uh, a few years, after I got married, and I asked myself one day, I woke up in the morning one day and asked myself, are you not going to have been so miserable in marriage if you had married her? Somebody that you were serving in another state, she was serving in another state, and she was already having a fling. And you know, and you know, all those kind of things. Now you marry, I mean, by the time I got married, uh, I mean, got into full-time ministry, busy, I was traveling, doing all kinds of things, yeah. After a while, I had to study for my MBA abroad, so I had to go to Manchester and, and leave my wife all the time. And I was like, if it was that other person, there's no way. Some, the devil will be playing on my mind. That even when you trusted her, she was cheating on you, isn't that you're not leaving her? I'm just trying to be practical with you. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to reset your mind on those issues 
get you, you back to that place where you can trust again, you can be vulnerable again, you, you are healed to some extent, and you carefully walk your way back into a relationship. Yeah, and you, for that healing to, to be perfected, you need to talk to somebody. Yeah. Scripture says, confess your fault one to another that you may be healed. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a fault that you're confessing. You're just talking. It's therapeutic when you talk. When you talk to somebody that can, let me also use street language, borrow your sense or help you. It's therapeutic because you feel you're in a safe place. And as you engage the word of God and you're praying and there's somebody you're talking to, it fast tracks your healing experience. Because you are not healed from something until you can talk about it without breaking down. Yeah, can I say that one more time? You're not healed from something until you can talk about it without breaking down. Yeah, until you can talk about it without being messed up. If you talk about something and you're still messed up, you are still, you know, you're still struggling. You're still struggling. And you have to practice that vulnerability by talking to people that you trust about your feelings about it. You need to articulate that feeling. Are you feeling rejected? Are you angry? Is it shame? Well, how do I feel about this relationship breakdown? Because until you can nip it in the bud and say, this is it, you don't know what you're dealing with. Is somebody hearing me today? Yeah. So you need to ask yourself, how do I feel about this whole thing? Is it shame? So let me deal with the shame and give myself reasons why I should not continue to feel shameful about it and allow people to speak into my life. If it's rejection, then you may need to pick a book about rejection and read it and engage in conversation, meaningful conversation that will help you deal with rejection. If it's anger, it's the same thing. And it may be a combination. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. When you've sorted all that out, then you can really connect again at a level that will help you to get the right kind of thing that you're looking for. Because you can have a healthy relationship if you connect badly and you can yield something else. And, and, and um, you know, it, it's just important that you put yourself in that place where you know that you have worked on yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much, PG. So, in effect, there's no specified timeline, which is what she's asking for. It's not wait for six months or wait for nine months. No. It's That's another topic on its own. How do I mean? Time only does not bring healing. Yeah. Time only doesn't bring healing. It is time, grace, and truth that brings healing. Yeah. Can I prove that to you? There's a parable of a, a tree that refused to bring forth. And uh, uh, said a, a, a farmer planted a tree and blah, blah, blah. And then he said, I've watered it, I've done this, and he still has not brought up anything. Can I cut it down? You know, Jesus was giving yes. that parable. And he said, look, he says, no. Give it another year. Dig around it. Water it, and then let's see what happens before you cut it down. Mm. What do we learn from that? The another year is not just giving another year looking at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why you give it another year? Mm -hmm. Dig around it. Mm. When you dig around it, you are looking for truth. Mm. Yeah. When you water it, you are asking for grace. Mm. Whoa. Whoa. Are you hearing me today? 
That's what I'm saying. In that place, Jesus recommended three things. Yeah, time, give it another year, dig around it, look for the truth that under God this situation. So if it's, you know, like I said, own your feelings, identify it, that's digging around it. Am I angry, am I shameful, am I, is it guilt I'm dealing with, is it rejection I'm dealing with? You're digging around it. And then you water it. That's the place of, of, of counseling, prayer, and the word. Grace flows to you. Yeah, because it said dig around it, water it, but give it a year. It didn't say give it a year and do nothing. Are we say together? Yeah. I said, are we say together? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, PG. I'm going to ride on that while we're discussing heartbreaks and something you mentioned, stewardship of relationships. There's a question here, and it talks about how to end a relationship. So I'll give you a bit of context. Last week, we touched on um, how, as Christians, we're expected to end relationships. And as part of stewarding, being stewards of this relationship, and you know that the other person should not be disrespected, you have to be honest, and generally referenced Joseph and how he planned to put away Mary when he was thinking of ending that relationship. But a lot of people were of the view that there's no Christian way to end the relationship. Sometimes you just walk out, sometimes, you know. So we really wanted your view on that. So the question is, um, I've never had someone end the relationship with me in a Christian way. And because I don't know how Christ would end the relationship. Could we maybe get an example, please? I need lines, just in case. And, and I want to just jump in on this very quickly, sir, because um, so the standard template is, you know, I just want to tell you an amazing person. It's not you, it's me. You know, the standard sort of Hollywood lines. Um, you know, and you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there for you that's perfect. You know, so it's just not me at this time. And so by the time you've heard all these lines, you've heard it once, you've heard it twice, you start wondering, is it really not you? <laughs> so people are asking, um, because I imagine this is, a, this is something that happens quite a bit, um, for wisdom, specific wisdom, practical insight. Sorry, sir. Both parties, the ender and the ND. So on both of the ender and the ND's part, especially when both are Christians, mm. it's important for us to look at it from the point of view of what kind of relationship have you been building? Mm. Because if you have been building a relationship that is a Christian relationship, you should be able to end it in a Christian way. Mm. It's tough to end a non-Christian relationship, a bad relationship in a Christian way. Yeah, let's face the truth. If the way we were running the relationship, we weren't running as Christians, when it's time to end it, we shouldn't try to be Christians. Yeah, let's, let's just put that on the table. Yeah, that, that, that's very important. But if we have been running as Christians, then it becomes so easy to end it as Christians. Yeah. Sometimes uh, you, you get to understand people's feelings and personality and all that. So you want to be responsible on how you approach them based on who they are. So all these lines are good, but the truth is that two people who are maturing or mature to an extent, if they have to end their relationship, they can sit together as Christians and talk about it. It doesn't look like this is going anywhere. You know what can make it difficult 
is when we can't agree because somebody thinks it will still work and somebody feels it will not work. Yeah. And at that point, I would say, if you're in an authentic Christian community like this, then bring somebody in. It could be a mutual friend, it could be a mentor, it could be somebody else who can just speak into the situation for you, help you to, to clear the air so that both of you will know. And if you're taking a break and we'll watch it, we know it's that kind of break. If it's a complete break, you need an interpreter if you don't want to break somebody's heart and you don't want to go with the rhymes that will just, you know, mess things up again. But having said that, you choose to be a Christian in all that you do. There are values that undergird Christianity. It's a value-driven relationship that we have with God. One of those values Jesus emphasized again and again is love. And it boils down the whole of the Old Testament law into this. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So I just need to put myself, yeah. So assuming it's dummy and high, you understand? Put myself in your shoes and I say, look, how would I feel if, I, if you talk to me like this? And how, you know? So rather than, I mean, it's, it's a very sad thing to end a relationship with a WhatsApp message. Yeah, yeah, or to just ghost somebody. That's not, it's not kind. It doesn't stand side by side with a very major value of our faith and of who I am as a Christian. So there's always a Christian way to go about things and it has to be value-driven. Yeah, and uh, I have to be gracious with my words, with my action. You know, I need to be able to see, to show empathy. Yeah. You can't break a relationship in a nasty manner. That's a bad seed. You may reap it someday. Yeah. Be careful about the seeds that you are sowing. Yeah. You, 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 can't, you, you can't look away and, you know, somebody is going to be a wreck, heartbroken, and all that, and you don't care, you just want to move on, and you're not doing any, you, you don't want to do anything about that, which is why I said, if you know this person is not going to agree, it's going to be tough on this person. What, what, what's, what's, you know, what's a safe landing, you know, whatever that you want to give to this person? Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's to, it's to bring somebody into it. Mm -hmm. So the person will help you undo that person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're, you're getting what I'm saying. Very clear. Yes. Um, rather than, and then you still keep showing, I mean, some people, I understand, some people, if you show that you still care about them, they interpret it like you're still interested. So you may not do that immediately, but after a while they recover, and then we're not enemies. I told you the other time, that this, this uh, uh, cardinal uh, relationship that broke and broke my heart, <laughs> you know, I see attended a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's part of it was part of my own developmental process. I knew I was going to pastor with my life. That was what I was going to do. There's some things that should not be found around you as a spiritual leader. You can't ghost people. You can't cut people off in bitterness. Do you get what I'm saying? I was, I was, I was hurt, 
I felt rejected. I dealt with my rejection. Yeah, because she was sincere with me. You get what I'm saying? For somebody to be able to tell you, I slept with somebody else. How sincere can you be? It's for your good to hear that. Do you get what I'm talking about? Because she could just walk out and, you understand, she honed a, a mistake. I couldn't handle it. That was me, not her. And I'll tell you why I could handle it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And this was somebody that was in the fellowship that I pastored. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, so, <laughs> I have to be the pastor. <laughs> and you have to be the Christian. Yes, sir. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Yes, sir. But this one that you just, you know, you wish they would never marry. They will marry you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying the truth. And you have to be happy for them. Yeah. Genuinely happy as well. Genuinely happy. That's when Christ is working in you. And Christ in you is the hope of glory, glory that is coming. If you can't see that, then the future, something will be wrong. Yes, sir. Very clear. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I mean, how many people were blessed by that? By that? That's awesome. Um, so the next question I'm going to ask, and I'm going to try and just merge two questions together to address two different things. So this one says, I'm in a leadership, actually this question is very triggering for me as well. I'm in a leadership position in church. I often get the chance to counsel people. Um, and the person says, well, but as a physician, I should have healed myself. Um, I get to counsel people who are in dating relationships or looking to date. Um, but however, the overarching feeling I get is a feeling of despair. Like a lot of people in this generation are just afraid of the thoughts of dating or being in a relationship. Why is this so fear-inducing? Um, why is dating in this generation so high stakes? And the other person says, you know, um, I've been trying to build a relationship, but every time I keep hearing friendship, 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 like, excuse me, sir, come on. I've been doing this for so long. Please, how long must I be friends with her before I can start to move things along? So there, there's one group of people who are just scared and just like, see, I can go and meet me and Jesus' boyfriend, girlfriend. And then there's the other people who are like, me and this girlfriend, but not more than that. Like, how long does it take before I can push things along? Let's start with the first one. People are afraid. And it's a big question I want to ask. Um, how many people here drive? Can I see a show of hands? You drive. Okay, how many people want to drive? How many people want to drive? Everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and some people are learning to drive right now. And some people will learn to drive because you know there's some parts of the world that if you live there, you can't drive, you, you may not be able to survive. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. Even if you don't have a car right now, you're thinking of when you're going to get your own car and drive. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. Now, that decision, what have you premised it on? Have you received the statistics of accidents on Lagos roads um, from the traffic management, uh, LASMA, and uh, all those people? Do you know those things are available? Yeah? Some of them, you may even be surprised. If you Google, maybe you'll find some. And they can be scary at the same time. Uh, um, when they just fixed this road, we moved here August of 2011. Yeah, and I remember when the Elevation Church moved to this location in August of 2011. By the way, um, you know, our 11th anniversary is on the 10th, and it's the first time 
that the anniversary, 10th of October, will be on a Sunday, since we started on a Sunday. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys get ready to celebrate uh, with a big church. Now, we started on Lagos Island, but moved here less than a year, August of 2011. That was when they just finished this road, revamped this road, and then put a toll gate. Yeah. So this used to be, you know now, yeah. it's a, what do they call it? Um, Alternative route. But you see this express, and it was about the same time that I moved further down. I used to live at Rome Garden. Yeah. This road, people were speeding. See those roundabouts? They would just crash into them almost every weekend. I have a friend who used to live somewhere around here, and he said from his, uh, his study, on Friday night, he's a lawyer. So he said when he's reading at night, he will be hearing the crashes going on on this road. Wow. Boys coming from the club, crash into the roundabout. A lot of crashes used to happen. Mm. This is the point I'm trying to make. The heartache, the pain that people are going through in relationships right now is not your signal to retreat. It's your signal to be careful, but you can't stop the fulfillment of your destiny because of that. Mm. Yeah. It must not induce fear in you to want to stop. The same way, you haven't stopped driving. That's why the fact that people are having accidents every day. Mm. You shouldn't stop loving. That's why the fact that people are having love accidents every day. Mm. <laughs> I hope you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. There are some things that are just needful in life. Yeah. You just need to participate. You just need to be in the space. Because you see, when you get into the space, you learn what to do and what not to do. And if you have been crashing too much, then slow down. Go back to driving school. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Then you need to be coming down and then go back and learn. Because we then need to ask you, how many books do you have on relationship? I've written four or five. And as a member of LifePoint, which is part of the Elevation Church, you should at least read one. That your global lead pastor has written... <laughs> Like five books on relationships, and you have not read one. I have one small mini book like this, Gauging Readiness for Marriage. Yeah. Simple as that. Because if you gauge readiness, yeah. If somebody comes and says, let's move this thing to the next level, like the next question, you can actually tell them, I read Gauging Readiness, and I feel I'm not so ready. You need to go and read it. Maybe it's presumptuous that you think you are ready. Yeah. Because everything has to have some basis. Now, going to that second question about, you know, people just trying to hold you, saying, let's do friendship. I don't think it's really a bad thing. I know that it can be excessive when a relationship is supposed to progress uh, beyond a particular point and people are saying friendship. But you know the truth? If you can't open up to friendship with people, and really do friendship well, you may not be able to cope with them in marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the person that is demanding friendship mm -hmm. and is not saying an outright no uh, deserves a bit of your understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. I, I don't know if you're getting yep. what I'm saying. Now, some people ask for friendship just because of fear. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to discern. Mm -hmm. 
Because if I invest in good friendship with you, it's for my good and for your good. For me, it's for my good because I will see whether this feeling I'm getting, this thing I want to take to the final point, whether it's going to be worth my while or not. Yeah, whether it's really there, you know. Because we've seen people who come and say, um, I mean, I remember a story many years ago with my former pastorate at Daystar, a lady, I mean, a guy that came and said, you know what, pastor, this girl, I must marry her, everything, everything. In fact, when I see her, her butterflies, my stomach, all kinds of things. And then, you know what happened? After midweek service one day, somebody came into the service who was looking for the lady. And the lady was not in church. And somebody who knew that they were close, because he wanted to propose, was saying, relax, let's check this thing out well. Yeah, I mean, I mean like we're mentoring him. Then somebody who knew that they were close now said, oh, uh, uh, Josephine is not in church, but you can give it to Ade. They, they see regularly. And then they gave a letter to him. And I mean, he was just being foolish. You don't read other people's letter, right? Yeah. He now opened it. And he read it. And I'm not advocating that for anybody here. Yeah. And what he read in the letter. The letter was actually from the lady's parents. And the lady's parents, they were in a dire strait. The brother was going through something, you know, terrible, maybe was on drugs or something. They themselves had house rent issues. The lady was a fresh graduate who was just trying to pull everything together. And it was as if they're saying, you know, in fact, if you have to go and borrow, borrow. The salary, borrow everything. You just have to bail us out. And all that feeling just left this guy. From Wednesday midweek service to Sunday. The guy came on Sunday wow. and said he cannot feel anything again. Because you read the letter. Wow. Yeah. If you had invested in that relationship a bit more in friendship, you will know the situation with that parent. You will know what's going on around there. You'll be able to make an informed decision. The decision you made before was not an informed decision. It was made in ignorance. That's the beauty of, you know, getting more connected with someone that you have a feeling for. Because feelings can be fleeting. Sometimes those things just disappear. Yeah, when you start to know the real deal. So we need to be careful. Let's not discount announce friendship, but at the same time, let's not overdo it. Especially for the people who are asking for friendship. Because you need to ask yourself, why am I asking for this friendship? Because some people ask for friendship, but they don't bring their A-game into that friendship. They're the one asking for it, uh, but they're not convinced. So they're just wasting time. The person is trying to know you more, ask you more questions, and then yeah. That means you're not serious about the friendship yeah. you're asking for. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, PG. I think we have time for about one or two more. Okay. So I'll go for this one from a married woman, and she starts with, I love my husband, let me start there. I really do. We've only been married a few years, but we're going through our first really tough season right now. We argue almost all the time, and our relationship is literally on the rocks. I'm running really low on patience and endurance, and I can tell that he is too. How do I make this right? I've proposed trying counseling. 
I think that's a good proposal, and everyone here today should understand something. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus uh, spoke to foundations, and he said, uh, a wise man will be likened to a man who built his house on the rock, and he said, the wind will come, the rain will come, and beat upon it vehemently, and it will stand because it was built on the rock, and he said, he gave another person who built his house on the sand, and he said, the rain will come, the wind will blow on it, this is the big deal there. Whether you are on sand or rock, every relationship will experience the wind. Yeah. Every relationship yeah, will experience the wind. So it's, um, you're playing games when you don't come to terms with the fact that your relationship will be tested. Yeah. And whether you are a man or a woman, you should expect that test and ask yourself. In fact, what we tell people right now as they prepare to get married is, look, what, what are you doing in your foundation that will help you to withstand that test and trial time? The first five years of every marriage uh, will be a bit turbulent. Yeah. You know, first year, you are running on chemical. Chemistry, yeah, it's chemistry. So you're running on that. And then the second year, most of the time, it becomes a little more complex because that's when somebody will get an idea. I want to do masters, I want to do PhD, I want to do this, I want to get a second degree, or the baby will come, or you know, all kinds of things. It just starts getting complicated a little bit more. And then some strain, long distance work, or different things, you know. Yeah. And then before you know it, those things start to build up. And then there's gap in communication, and you know. And then external forces, parents, friends. Yeah, well, I've given you enough time to be, after one year, we should be able to come in. <laughs> what is going on? They'll be asking you questions. They want to, you know. All different things will start to happen. Yeah, and then if the person has been pretending after one year, they want to beat themselves. Ah, I can't be in prison forever. Let me show my true color. Mm. Then they'll start showing some things. Mm. Yeah. So the next two, three, four years, you're dealing with that storming yeah, situation. It's not there to kill the relationship. It's to strengthen it. And at that point, if you need help with counseling, both of you should be open to it. You know, a lot of young people say, you know, we've agreed in our relationship, we will not bring a third party in. What's a third party in a relationship? A third party is somebody who really has nothing to offer you and can confuse you and destroy your relationship. Yeah. But when you talk about third party, the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. When you bring somebody, a mentor into your relationship, that's not a third party. A third party is a strange woman. Mm. Yeah, a third party is your ex. Mm. Yeah, who has nothing to offer you but to scatter, confuse you in this one too. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a third party. But when you're talking about somebody that will bring safety, comfort, and succor into your relationship, you don't call such people a third party. Yeah. You are the one that should choose carefully so that you know the value proposition. Why are we talking to, I mean, can we both agree who we're going to 
talk to because we have to talk to somebody. Yeah, but we need to agree who is that person. Is it neutrality we're going to talk about? Is it level of experience? Is it spirituality? Yeah. Have they gone through what we're going through? Yeah. So that's not just third party. So please don't buy into all that stuff of, you know, bring third party into a relationship. The model of cancer, their safety. Yeah. Fantastic. So she can go ahead and carefully with her husband choose a wise not third party, counselor or mentor yeah. that can speak to that situation. Yeah. And to make it easier for such people, one of, I mean, one thing that I did during the pandemic last year was to come up with, you know, two courses. Yeah. And it's like counseling, boiling down a lot of the things I've learned in counseling over the years. So I set up the Amari course, for instance. The Amari course has two courses, marriage preparatory and marriage enrichment. And it was born out of all this kind of conversation where people say, so, if you're in a dating relationship, both of you have decided to get married and you don't want to be excessive about going for counseling, okay, do it online and then you can have one or two hours with a, with a mentor. But you will have run like 12 classes on your own online with deep writings because this thing wants to bring out stuff in you. And then you will know your place of conflict. That's what we bring to a married mentor. And so you minimize, you know, because some people these days, even based on distance, you are here, the Bobo is in New York, and there's no get on, something like that. Let both of you show commitment that we start something and we finish it, and then get on a call, a Zoom call with, with somebody. So there's no excuse. And the same thing for the married one, too. All the people that say, hey, I don't want to sit in front of a pastor or anybody, get online. Yeah. Take these 10 classes. You know, put all the issues front up because it will force you to write down things that you're going through and all that. And then you make your choice after. Because you will then see that if this thing is this pivotal, mm -hmm. then maybe we need to talk to somebody. Because now we have been able to unhurt what we're going through. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, sir. We really appreciate that. Please put your hands together. Fantastic. Thank, thank you, PG. PG. Um, so we know that um, when you're here, we like to have you pray with us um, and just sort of commit all of these issues to God and commit us to God as well and to the word of his grace so that we can be built up I'm edified in our relationship, so. Um. Okay, um, just before we pray. Guys, I need you to listen to me. As you go ahead, trusting God to help you navigate your relational life, fulfill your marital destiny, and maximize the connection God is bringing into your life you need to ask yourself a few questions. One, what am I running away from? What is driving me? Because what is driving you is more important than what you are driving. Yeah. Some people drive beautiful cars, but what is driving them is ugly. So you need to ask yourself those kind of questions. You need to put yourself in the place of the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and ask yourself, is there a thirst? Is there something I'm looking for that only God can give, but I'm looking for it in human beings? Because this woman has been with five men and she still couldn't find what she was looking for. And she met Jesus 
And at this point, she was paranoid. Yeah. She couldn't trust again. She has lost her capacity for vulnerability. So Jesus just approached her, give me water. An argument ensued. Oh, they have come again. Man, all they're looking for, you know, is something. So, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. I'll give you water. Yeah. Which water? Is it really water you're looking for? <laughs> we know your type. Yeah. But this was the Messiah, a creator that was talking to her. The one who was there at the beginning, the beginning of time, before she was consumed, I mean, conceived in her mother's womb. There's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man and every woman. Nothing else will, will fill it because it's shaped, you know, in God. And Jesus said, I have water that I'll give you. If you drink of it, you never thirst again. You never thirst again. Now, this is the deal, guys. What is your thirst that is driving you in your relational experiences that may be messing things up. It's no longer coincidental if somebody had been with five men. It's a, it's, that's a pattern. And some people are dealing with ungodly patterns. And you need to come alive to those patterns because God wants to fix it, but you need to ask yourself, is there a, an, is there a thirst? Is there something I'm looking for? That I can only find in God, but I've misinterpreted it to be something that is in human beings. Because there's, there's a way only God can love you. Yeah. There's a way only God can get you. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send you another comforter. In the Greek, it's called parakletos. The one who will come around you, surround you, and help you fight, fight your battles. Because there are battles that some people are fighting right now, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And before you ask for the help of man, seek the help of God. That's what I'm saying today. Because the help of man, it won't cut it. It, it, won't, it, won't, you know, it won't get there. Let, let, me, let, me, let me give you another example of what I'm talking about. Dating some people or putting yourself into a relationship sometimes looks like somebody who's trying to fill a leaking bucket, a basket, or fill a basket with water. It's not about you, it's about the basket. So you can keep pouring water and pouring water. This thing is not going to be filled because it's leaking. Can you hear me ask your neighbor, are you leaking? Yeah. Because if you're leaking and then you put yourself, when somebody feel me, feel me, feel me, the person will be frustrated and eventually walk away. Because all you keep saying is, I'm not filled, but I'm trying. But you, you're, you're draining. You need to be able to speak to your all the leakages before you pounce on the filler. Because it's not about the filler, it's about you. 
I hope somebody's getting me today. It's a big question because when Jesus approached that woman, <laughs> she was leaking everywhere. <laughs> you know, to now make our matter worse, Jesus was asking her for water. She came to fetch to fill herself. It was like, <laughs> you know, and Jesus said, you know what? I can feel you once. I seal all your leakages. I feel you once. You'll never be thirsty again. Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> Somebody following what I'm saying here today. It's important that you leave this service today. As we close this series, you understand that if you, if, if, if you can't get anything from this series, get it that if I'm not leaking, it will not be a chore for people to be around me. Yeah. So I need, to, I need to allow God to fix my leakages so that when a God-ordained person try to fill me up, it will not be a task, a Killian task. It will be something they will be able to do with joy and gladness. I want you to stand on your feet today. Stand on your feet. Lift your two hands with me, everyone. You know the places where you're leaking. The one that the Bible says fills all things with the fullness of himself is here today. And he fills all things with the fullness of himself. Yeah. And he can fill you completely. And when you lift yourself and you just put yourself in his hands, it, 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 can, it, can, it can seal up. Take this thirst, this thirst, unquenchable thirst. Thirst for love, for affection, for care that will make you do anything to get it, including pleasing people with your body. Because in the heart of everyone that's addicted to something, you see a hunger and a thirst for something that is beyond them. They're trying to fix it with that thing, but who they need is actually God. Lift your two hands to him today. And just say, fill me up. Fill me up, Jesus. Seal me up, Jesus. Fill me up, Jesus. Till I overflow. I want to run over. I want to run over. Fill me up. Lift your hands to him today. The Spirit of God is here. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.